Hello and happy Thursday. Welcome back to Offbeat Grad. Yes, I'm a little bit sick still, which sucks and I probably should go to the doctor, but it's such a stress. And I'm also stuck here in my apartment, like waiting for the apartment maintenance people to come because they are going to measure my cabinets because I'm moving in three weeks and they're tearing this disgusting apartment apart and updating it so they can charge people more. But it's really annoying that they're going to come measure the cabinets, like, during my morning. So I have to sit here waiting for them to interrupt me. And, yeah, that's how I feel about that. So today I'm doing a um, podcast all about setting your rates, which is something that I struggle with still. So I thought it would be a good thing to address. And we're going to talk both about setting your rates as a blogger and setting your rates as a freelancer, though they really overlap a lot. Also, there's some funky sound outside, but I'm not going to wait for it to stop. So, welcome to Lake Nona, Orlando, where it's really loud. Um, yeah, so let's start with talking about blogger rates, because this is what I started with. Um, it's confusing as heck. So, the issue with blogger rates is that there's not very much transparency. So, you don't always know what other people are charging, and it's not that you need to, like, base your prices around other people, but it's not like other industries where there's sort of a base price for things and you can sort of go off of that you sort of have to make it up um you'll see a lot of formulas online telling you like exactly what you can offer or like some kind of formula of like magically decide your rate um i don't think those are great but i will share some with you as a good starting point but okay so let's think about what you're selling as a blogger you are selling you can hear me clicking around on my computer because i have some resources open um, but yeah, there's um, tons of different things that you're selling. Usually you're selling blog posts um, or Instagram posts or some kind of sponsorship. So how do you price yourself? So there's some things you have to remember. You can't just base it on how long it takes you because it's about more than that. Well, that is certainly important. It's not the only thing that's important. So things like your value, what kind of value are you offering? Like, do you have a really engaged audience? Do you have a really niche audience that they're not really going to find anywhere else because no one else talks to underwater basket weavers except for you? So if they want to talk directly to this audience, they have to do so through you. Um, also, what kind of um, extras are you bringing to the table? If it's a blog post, will you have all these pictures? Are you going to send extra pictures to the clients? Are you going to do a podcast, or are you going to do an Instagram story? Like, all these little things need to be considered, and you can't usually just come up with a flat rate for everything, though I think you should have a media kit where you would say at least where your prices start, or like a range, and then you can quote from there depending on how much is necessary, because these posts take a lot of time. I find the blog posts that are sponsored take significantly longer than just like the spontaneous ones, quote-unquote. They take a lot of time to plan. Usually you have to work the product in in a natural way, which isn't always easy. Even if it's a great fit for your audience, it's still a lot of work to plan that out. Sometimes multiple drafts are necessary. You'll usually need to take very specific photos. Usually that will take you to a different location. Things like that all add up really quick. Soon before you know it, you spent several hours on this and you want to make sure you get your money's worth. So if I'm being frank, the first few blog sponsorships I took like years ago were unpaid. Um, I got paid in product and they were usually not like super expensive products. I did a lot of beauty products because that was what was most available at the time. And I did things like hair care and like makeup. 
and it was fine. Um, I never got paid for them. I would just do a blog post, and it worked out fine. I'm, I'm glad I have that experience, though I would never recommend a blogger to not accept payment now. I think the world has changed drastically since then, and influencer marketing is more reputed and established, and it's normal to ask for money now, and I don't think you should work for free unless the product is really valuable. Sometimes I ha I do still work for product only, but that's only if the product is high value and I can make that work. Otherwise, not really. Um, but, I mean, there's no shame in starting with just products if that's what you want to do. Although, remember, you will need to pay taxes on those, as you can hear about in my taxes episode. So, yes, um, you have to price your value and... So let's talk about that weird thing, that random <laughs> formula that you hear a lot of times. So in the blogging community, you mostly hear that the general rule of thumb is $100 for every 10,000 paid views. <clears throat> but let me tell you why this is wrong. I have fluctuated in my page views a lot, and I have gotten as much as like $600 for a blog post to as little as 100 and whatever. And... It doesn't really work out that way. A lot of times that would be, I would consider the bottom of your range. So if you get 20,000 page views, $200, bottom of your range. From there, if you're adding extras, if you have fancy added photography and fancy Instagram posts, anything else, you need to add more because it's really expensive. Um, if it's something small, sometimes I do have posts um, where the client will ask to be featured in a blog post I already have or just like a very small feature. It's not like an entire post around it. I would consider um, that price point to be the highest price point. So if it, for example, the same one, a 20,000 page views with $200 would be the highest point, but usually less. If it's really, really small, I would go at a much smaller rate. But this all will matter. And it all needs to be taken into consideration before you quote a client. And hopefully I'll do another blog post about how to actually pitch these clients or quote them, which can be tricky in itself. But let's talk about pricing for social media. Um, I've also seen the same rule here for um, $100 for every 10,000 followers, but I'm going to call BS on this because I've been paying a lot of money to post on Instagram. I think Instagram is a changing platform. Micro-influencers are really, really powerful on here, especially because we keep having all these scandals with, like, these big-name Instagrammers, and I think that's scaring big companies away from using them, so they're looking for people with smaller followings, not necessarily, like, 500 followers, but people with, like, the 5,000 to, like, 15,000 range seems to be a hot spot, so I wouldn't, <laughs> I mean, I guess if so, a company approached me and they asked me for my price, I would probably use something similar to this, but... If you need to do your research at the same time, um, look up the. This sounds shady, but I'm not. I'm not being shady. This is a thing. Look up the company. If it is a small business, maybe they're local. They don't have a big marketing budget. You're gonna and you really want to work with them. Adjust your rate accordingly. On the same page, if this is a big name company that you know has money put aside for their marketing budget, don't be afraid to ask for more money, because the worst thing they're gonna say is no. Usually they will come back with a counter offer. You can accept or decline. It's up to you. Um, but you just sort of need to know who you're talking to. There's, I definitely have worked with small local brands for significantly less because I like to support the community. 
And that's something that I don't mind doing. But if you really value your time and that just isn't working for you, or if you live in a place where you don't really have a lot of local collaborations, then don't feel bad turning them down if they can't reach your rate. Yes. <clears throat> so, you'll also have to consider any expenses that go into play. So, if you have to buy something for it, or which sometimes I do. Like, once I did a Dunkin' Donuts campaign and they wanted me to decorate a graduation cap, which was really cool, but my school doesn't give me a graduation cap until, like, the weekend before graduation because I guess they don't trust us. She's probably smart. And also, I didn't really want to wear a Dunkin' Donuts graduation cap, like, while crossing the aisle, crossing the aisle, I don't know, is that a thing? I don't know, walking across the stage. And so I I, cre- I bought a decoy hat off of Amazon, and I used that one, it looked fine, and I decorated that one, and I took all my photos with it, and that was it. It worked perfectly, but I'm just saying, sometimes you do need to buy a few extra things. I've had other situations with that too. Once I was working with a game company that was like an adult game and so they wanted me to make like an adult game night post and for photos I needed like new wine glasses because I don't I realized I didn't have any wine glasses so I went out and bought a few cheap wine glasses that looked nice in the photos all was well it's not like you need to dish out a ton of money but consider this when you're quoting people like if you have a post idea in mind and you know you're gonna need some extra funds you should include them, even if it's just $10, because you don't want that to come out of your pocket, um, and that's just something important. Also, another thing you might actually be sponsored with is event hosting. This is becoming really popular, but I haven't ever experienced this myself. I've been invited to events, but I've never actually been hosting events, you know? But I've been seeing this a lot, so it's definitely a thing. So, basically, it's similar to a social media post, So, you can use the same rule if you want to, but I think because you're going to want to multiply this by the number of hours, because this is actually taking up a lot of time, and if you are actually handling things while you're there, then you're going to need to really (laughs) up that rate, because a lot of these um, influencers who go to these events, they end up, they might speak, they might be on Instagram stories the entire time, they might be meeting people, they might be handing stuff out. Sometimes they end up sort of working the event. So you want to get paid for your time because, uh, I mean, the company hires people to work for your events, so they should hire you as well. And especially if you also need to do a recap blog post or social media posting about it, you're going to want to include all of this in your rate. So you might include your social media rate, your post rate, and then the post rate multiplied by the number of hours. So for instance, your post rate is $200 and you're there for two hours it would be $400, plus your post rate, again, because you're doing another post, um, so another $200, $600, plus your social media rate, I don't know, whatever that is. So yeah, that was a good math equation, but basically, you're going to want a lot of money for this if it's going to be a big commitment, and that's how I feel about that. So that's basically my ideas for blogging. Um, I wish in the blogging community we were a lot more transparent about how much people um, charge because that would really help newer bloggers and even experienced bloggers just know how to price themselves. And I think basically you just have to go with your gut. Do your research on the company. If the company seems like they have a large marketing budget, feel free to quote higher. I would always quote higher because the worst they'll say is no. Um, I'll tell you my range right now. Currently getting around 30 to 50,000 page views a month, depending on the month, it's been fluctuating, and I charge around $450, so you'll see how that doesn't really match the um, <laughs> the lovely formula I gave, 
Um, I've charged in the past month $450 for a blog post and $1,000 for two social media posts. So nothing makes sense and everything I just told you is garbage. Um, basically, it's just confusing. It really just is. Um, you're going to have to do a lot of trial and error. I think the formula I gave you is a good place to start and don't be afraid to ask for more money because you deserve it. All right, now let's go to part two, which is all about freelancing rates, which is a whole nother can of worms, as you can expect. As someone who's been freelancing for two years, I am horrible at setting rates. I'm, I will be the first one to admit I should be charging more. I know this. I am, my goal this year is to work with clients who pay more. The only clients who I'm still working with who don't are clients I've worked with for over a year and who I really enjoy working with. And if I gave them up, I would be essentially giving up most of my income, and I'm not in a place where I can do that, obviously. Um, so a lot of this is subjective, especially in the freelancing world. But we're going to talk about some of the different things you need to consider when you're setting your own rates. This doesn't matter whether you're doing web development, whether you're doing writing or editing or you're building websites or you're doing graphic design. You need to think of all of these things. So let's talk about a few mistakes that I know I've made and that a lot of other people make. So the first one is setting um, your fees based on the time you'll spend. Unless you're being paid hourly, which we'll talk about why you shouldn't, you don't really want to base your project fees on how long it will take you to do a project. And here's why. Because when you're a freelancer, you're not working 40 hours a week, at least for clients, most of the time. You are doing maybe 20 hours a week of client work. You're doing 10 hours a week of marketing, 10 hours a week of working on your website, these kinds of things. No one's paying you for that time you're spending marketing, the time you're spending on your blog. They're only paying you for those hours you're working on their project. So if you're only basing that time around like how long it will take you, you're not accounting for the rest of the time in your freelancing career that you're working on your business and you will come up short in how much you're actually making and how much you can afford. So you don't want to do that um, because... It just doesn't work. Um, you're not going to end up with enough money to live, um, and you're not going to make money. <laughs> that's all. I, that's the big mistake there. Um, we'll talk about how you should make your project-based fees. Okay, so the second mistake is that you're basing your pricing on what other people charge. And here's the issue with this. One, we work in a world where freelancers are coming from all parts of the world. They're coming from developing countries, a lot of them are in India, Bangladesh, um, the Philippines, especially for writers, but especially in web development as well. Um, and these people are charging significantly below the, the minimum wage here. And while they're, I don't want to come off as someone who's like really angry about people in developing countries like working online, because I'm not. I think um, a lot of them can be very qualified and can be bringing a lot of different skills to the table for the right clients. But what I'm saying is what they charge isn't going to work in your hometown. I live in Orlando. Uh, renting a one-bedroom apartment here is like $1,300 a month. I can't afford to charge $2 an hour because I'm not going to be able to eat. Like, that's the reality. So you need to charge for where you are, your cost of living, and just, like, the reality. And also, the market price might not be how much you should be charging, there are a lot of other factors, like your experience level. For instance, do you have a college degree? A lot of freelancers don't have a college degree, and I'm not saying that you need a college degree to do it, because you definitely do not. But 
having a college degree, that is a lot of experience. Like, even if you don't have four years of professional experience, like, as a writer, I do freelance writing, and I have a, a degree in English, um, bus- a business degree, a bachelor's degree in English. So I frequently use that when I'm applying for jobs to prove, like, hey, I'm, I'm classically trained in writing. Like, this, I didn't pull this out of nowhere. I'm not self-taught. I learned it through um, an educational system, and that has value. So charge for that value. Also, your experience level. And uh, I think freelancing is great because there's a low barrier to entry. But think about the experience you do have. And odds are you have more than you think. So if you're writing, for instance, I know the most about writing, so I'll talk about that. If you have three years of experience writing for your school newspaper, or you have two years of experience writing blog posts on your own blog, or you are a social media coordinator and you've grown your social media profile to over 20,000 followers in five months, dream life. Or if you're a web developer and you're self-taught, but you've helped several people in your friend group build really great websites, this is experience and it counts. Basically, you need to take stock of your own experience. I struggle with this. I have a lot of imposter syndrome problems, but I know that I've worked professionally in the writing industry for over three years. I've built my blog from zero to over 120 page views. Um, Not consistently, but I have done it. Um, I have over 20,000 followers across social media and I have a college degree and these things have value and it's hard to take stock of this on your own, but you really need to. So really come up with a position of understanding your own experience level. Just because you haven't worked professionally in an industry doesn't mean you're a beginner. If you come in with different experience, maybe from school, maybe from volunteering, or just from your own side gig, and you have a degree or something, other form of education, maybe you took an online course or a certification class, you have experience, you most likely aren't starting as a complete beginner, so don't price yourself like you are. And at the same time, don't feel like you need to compete with people who are coming from different parts of the world or who bring different experience to the table because they aren't necessarily in the same part of their story as you. Or maybe they they can afford to charge $5 an hour because the cost of living where they live is so low that that is a, a solid income. And where you live, it's not. So you need to charge more because you're worth more. All right, so that that whole rant and lecture to you about uh, basing yourself on your value is now over. You're welcome. And we are now going to talk about why you need to move to project-based pricing. And this is pretty simple. So I basically explained that earlier, but when you charge hourly, you're missing out on a lot of the time spent in your business. Essentially, as a freelancer, you're a business owner. So you have to market your business. You have to attract leads, you land the sale, all of this takes a lot of time. Honestly, it takes the most time, usually. Um, You work on your website, you work on marketing yourself, you work on educating yourself. All of these things aren't, like, actively giving you money, but they need to translate into more money when you work with clients. So you need to include this in your project-based pricing. When you're pricing hourly, First of all, you have a really hard time sometimes selling a higher rate to your clients. Sometimes being like, I charge $80 an hour is really intimidating. But if you say, I charge $500 per project, suddenly it sounds a little more reasonable because if you say you charge $80 an hour, like how long will this take you? Sometimes clients get confused or they don't really know. In my industry in particular, it does not work. And I will tell you why. Because as a freelance writer, a lot of my time is not... Uh, spent writing. Um, A lot of it is spent researching, it's spent editing um, or sourcing images or sourcing um, 
research, things like this. If I go through Upwork, they actually have a, like a software that you use to track your time. And it basically monitors your screen. So if the screen isn't changing, which it doesn't when I'm literally just editing, then it's going to be like, oh, she's not working. But I am working. A lot of my work is just that kind of idle task. Also, when you price per project, it doesn't take into consideration your experience in the same way. And what I mean by this is that you're not just putting in, they're not just paying for those hours. Honestly, when I write, I write really fast. I can write over 110 words a a minute. Um, And I write really fast. I edit really fast because I do this all day. I write like 100,000 words a week. Like I'm putting in a lot of work in my business and in other people's businesses. And that comes with a lot of skill. So when it takes me 30 minutes to write someone in a blog article, it would probably take a, a newbie or an inexperienced person several hours. So they're not really paying me for that 30 minutes of my time. They're paying me for my four-year degree, my, all the three years of experience, the weeks I've spent perfecting my skills, like these kinds of things all go into that rate. And when a client hears, oh, I charge $80 an hour, I'm not saying I do charge that, I wish I did, um, they're going to be like, but it only took you 30 minutes, like, why can't you give me a lower rate, because it didn't take you very long at all. Okay, but it doesn't work that way, because the only reason it takes me so quick is because my value is so high, my experience level is so high, that kind of thing. Hopefully that made sense. Basically, I'm telling you all to just accept project-based pricing. And the benefit of project-based pricing is you can shift the focus back on how long it will take to your value. So instead of being like, it's going to take me three hours to do this, it goes into, you're going to have this finished project, it's going to attract you a lot of clients, you're going to be so happy with it, that kind of thing. And that is more valuable to the client and to yourself because you also don't have to nitpick the hours, which I really hate. Um, If you're being paid hourly, there's sort of the temptation to drag out the project when you might only need a few minutes on it. I don't know. Um, Basically, it just makes it so much easier. You don't have to worry about the the time and how time doesn't necessarily equal money in the same way. I think that really helps you focus on the project and really deliver something better, and you'll probably get paid more. Also, (laughs) if you're a freelancer, I would highly recommend not charging per word, also just charging by project. It helps me also not nitpick on word count, and some projects are a little more flexible and you don't always know how long they need to be. Um, Obviously, it's really hard to get clients to do that sometimes, but uh, just a suggestion. So last but not least, let's talk about how you actually make up your freelancing pricing, and as you might guess, there's no straightforward answer, there's no formula here. Um, I would recommend you do some research, see what the market price is, and then make it up. Honestly, you, you're going to need to change your pricing a little bit for every client. I rarely charge the same thing twice, and there's a reason for that. Um, basically, it comes down to, do I like this client? This sounds bad, but it's so important because if you get along with a client and you are on the same page about so many things, your time with them will go so much smoother. Um, a client who really values you will require less edits will um, just accept your feedback, will allow you to give suggestions. And this is so much better than dealing with a client who is constantly asking for edits or giving stupid ideas. Like all of this really adds up and is frustrating. So I highly recommend you charge less for clients you like. That sounds bad. I'm not saying drop all of your rates, but I am saying you should do your best to work with the clients who you really like. 
um, because that's a big part of the criteria and you're letting this person into your life and your business and you don't know how long you'll be working with them. So you really want to enjoy working with them because I've had some duds and it's not fun. And then another criteria to consider is how much you expect them to be willing to pay. Once again, this comes back up to like the blogging side where I said research the brand. You want to do this again because if it's a startup or like a really small business that maybe has two or three people working at it, they probably don't have a huge budget to just to just have on this. Whereas a big corporate organization will likely have a much bigger budget. Um, sometimes as you gain experience, you'll lean towards one side of the spectrum. You might prefer working with startups. You might prefer working with big corporate giants. There's no right way, but they're going to have different budgets, and that's just a reality. If you approach a, a big corporate giant with a $10,000 budget, they might go for it, but if you approach mom and pop shop down the street, they probably won't. So just accept that as your reality. It doesn't mean you need to be afraid of working with any new clients, but it does mean you might need to change your fee according to who you're talking to. Next, you're going to want to consider how much you're providing for the client. So is this a small project? Is this a big project? Is this an ongoing project? Sometimes I charge less for ongoing projects because it means less time having to search for new clients, which is always good. But basically, there's no formula. So there's no rules that you shouldn't feel like you need to price any certain way. I would recommend going up as high as possible. Um... Searching places like Upwork or just doing some online research will give you a good idea of where to start. And from there, just go up. So don't feel like you need to follow the rules. You can disregard everything I just told you. Um, it's your business and you're allowed to run it however you want. So hopefully that had some kind of value for you. Um, I think it's important to talk about money more online when we are talking about freelancers and bloggers because this is such a new industry and there's no rules and no one knows what's going on. So, yep. Um, if you have any questions about freelancing or blogging, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at SamanthaBility or by email hello at offbeatgrad.com. And I will see you all next week. I hope you have a productive week. And hopefully I am not sick again next week. So we will see about that. All right. Goodbye. <laughs>